Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Boss, I love your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cold lights. 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 Forbidden There it is, folks, a little paradiddly thing. That means it's the afternoon. Welcome to 3RRR if you've just tuned in. If you've been listening all morning, good for you because you would have got to hear the scientists, uh, well, talking a lot about food and ultra-processed food. And gosh, I don't know what I'm going to talk about, Shane. You've taken my thunder. And you've stolen it beautifully. But what a great morning it is and what a great day it is to be in this beautiful city. As I look across the desk, I see the radiant countenance of Carl Chapman. A very, very good day to you. Merely reflecting you, Cam. How are you? Look at this. We're reflecting each other. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. Um, Thank you for joining us today. And also, huge good day to all of you, wherever you are, from Bali to Frisco, from New York to Wangaratta, especially a very, very dear old mate, PT, who's listening in from Sonora. G'day to you. Uh, lots of love coming from this part of the hemisphere and to all of you that have uh, tuned in to the station. Carl, I'm a little bit excited today. I can tell. Can you? Yeah. I'm a little bit more exuberant than normal. <laughs> yes, that could be it because... It's that time of year. Those that uh, tune into my Insta account, Cam Smith, eat it. There you go. Shameless plug for Insta. You're going to do these things, Carl. You do. No one else is going to do it for you, are they? No. No. Well, you might have noticed that uh, I was lucky enough to be underneath the Regent Theatre in Collins Street on Monday night because underneath there is the most magnificent function space called the Plaza Ballroom, and that was... The place to mark the occasion of uh, the 2024 Age Good Food Guide Awards. And we are very, very lucky today uh, to have in the studio 
Ellen Fraser and Emma Brahimi from the Good Food Guide, their co-editors, waiting in the green room to come in to talk about this. How do we describe this? It's an institution. It's something that gives a real snapshot into the Victorian and the Australian restaurant economy. And it's also like, it's a bit like the Oscars for food. Yeah, what do yeah. you, yeah. yes? Uh, certainly in Melbourne, Victoria. Yeah. Oh, it certainly is. So uh, anyway, they're going to be in the hot seat and we're going to ask them the questions about the winners, the losers, uh, the vibe, where we are at with uh, restaurant and eating within this fair state. Also on today's show, we have um, a fabulous chef, fabulous human being, Joseph Abud from Rumi Restaurant and... I'm very, very happy to say that Joseph has given birth to a book, which uh, I hope wasn't too uncomfortable. But uh, the great news is this book is magnificent. It's called Rumi, a cookbook of Middle Eastern appearance. And uh, we might get him to elucidate on this a little bit later on. He's going to be on. No, John, today. I'm so sorry. But uh, John's got to just soldier on the market alone today but go and visit him because i'm sure the tomatoes are looking good the asparagus is still very 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 cheap and peaking broad beans are going off carl are you a mango fan sometimes not i mean they're a very strong fruit they uh, are a strong fruit I, yeah i don't mind them in moderation yes a little bit like, like, like a little bit of everything yeah, that's right well, I find, um, I think the Kensington Pride Mango, which comes from the Northern Territory in Queensland, could be the finest mango in the world. Bold claim. Yeah, well, you know, you've got to, you, gotta, you know, nail, you nail your colours to the mask, <laughs> mate, you know. Um, seriously, uh, fruit, sweet, sour, acid, balance, texture, there's nothing better. And I still remember being a 10-year-old child and having my first mango from, um, where did I come from? Montreal, and uh, was in Sydney. <laughs> the first mango was quite a revelation. Anyway, they're peaking at the moment. So anyway, there's no real market report, but I thought I'd give you that little schnippity do. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. And, um, yeah, we had an amazing event that happened uh, earlier this week, and it's a snapshot of the Victorian restaurant industry and the, let's face it, the the others, although I don't think I've even looked that much at uh, the rest of uh, the country. We welcome from the Age Good Food Guide, co-editors Ellen Fraser and Emma Brahini. How are you guys doing? We're good. And thank you so much for coming in. What a fabulous night it was on Monday, goodness me, downstairs at the Plaza Ballroom. First of all, can we just do accolades to the Mariners and what they've done for that, what they've done for Melbourne with that place? It's pretty spectacular, isn't it? It is. Um, for those that haven't been there, and there's a lot of people in Melbourne that don't even know that it exists, can we quickly describe the place? Ellen, do you want to have a go at that? The Plaza? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's and a- hi. Hi, hello. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, Cam. Hey. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful, grand, old building. Uh, We thought it would be a lovely kind of spot to have a bit of a red carpet uh, with that big dramatic staircase going in. Yeah, and you go downstairs and, like, the the upstairs is a – the the region is like an Art Deco fantasy um, upstairs, like something from the 20s. 
the Plaza Ballroom reminds me, it's like some sort of Spanish mission that's been buried, like yes. an archaeological discovery underground. Yeah, totally. <laughs> There's little details everywhere you look. The, the tiles mm. and the, the cherubs and angels and, and the little roof. balconettes. And... Yeah, balconette. I love a balconette. <laughs> it was, it was a, um, a very, very grand place to have uh, what is a very, very grand occasion because we're looking at the Age Good Food Guide now in its 43rd iteration. Goodness me, how those years have gone. And I have to, first of all, offer you my heartfelt congratulations and it must be kind of humbling and daunting to fill in the shoes that have come in before to be the co-editors of of this because it's a it's a great responsibility that you guys have yeah yeah it was a big uh a lot of pressure picking up from Ros Grundy we call the oracle Ros yeah. the oracle <laughs> yes um and past editors Miffy Rigby when it was national That's Michael right. Harry yeah, so we, we definitely felt and that. way back, Claude Farrell and mm. Rita Ehrlich as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of esteemed people that have come before yeah. us. So we did definitely feel that responsibility. And, yeah, and that's great. And you went, okay, yeah, but it's uh, my my shoes uh, under the desk now. So um, tell me about what you have done to make it different and to, well, make it your own, really, to stamp your imprimatur on it, shall we say. Uh, we did. I feel. I feel like we did. A, <laughs> we did a few things yeah. um, that readers might not notice. I mean, the cover is very different this year. We shot at uh, the. Yeah, what was that shot? It's like a. It's a beautiful table scene. Yeah, the delightful clover in Richmond with which, some lovely linen on the table. Very yeah. lovely linen tablecloth. Was that brought in especially? That was brought in. I think in that's, a, that's yeah. definitely a stylist said that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was shot by uh, Jana Langhorst. Yeah. Um, we also this year we brought on a few new reviewers, which yes. uh, some writers that we we're really excited to work with, which I think, uh, yeah, that that brought a, a bit of a bit of freshness to the guide this year. Mm. Uh, we awarded thirty five new hats this year, mm-hmm. and so the hats are up in total one hundred and forty nine in total, up from one hundred and thirty one. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It is a bigger guide this year as well. So So. 324 full reviews, um, which means that the guide editors are looking a little bit harder at the hats. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we wanted to really think about how people are dining out now and what they're looking for and I do and think And what they can afford. What they can afford. I mean that's a that's that's a big one, isn't it? It is. We av- we award 2 points for value. Um that changed I think 3 years ago, uh but this year it did feel more important than ever. Mhm. Maybe that's uh, okay, here's a, that probably leads in very very well. Let's um the hats are really, really important, especially to the people that either gain them or lose them, unfortunately. What is the criteria for awarding hats? So you need to score 15 points or above out of 20. It's in 20 our... points in total. Yep. That's that's if you can get it. I don't think it's ever – it's never been achieved, has it? It's I never don't been think 20. so. Has there ever been a 19? Maybe. Maybe flower drum back in its day. Okay, maybe once way back in the midst of time. Yeah. Okay, but usually uh, the the max is usually about 18. So 20 points. How many for food? 10. 10. I got that right. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so 10 for food. So that's the main thing. So you're halfway there, great food. What are the other points? What's the other criteria? So there's five for service. Yes. There's three for the experience and the atmosphere. And then two for the value. And two for value. (laughs) Your mental maths is good. Well, (laughs) Mr. Wiseman did tell me to quit maths when I was a kid, but anyway, I didn't listen to him. Um, So... 20 in total, and and this is the thing that, you know, um, so 15 is one hat. That's right. Correct, Mund. And uh, underneath that we've got critics' choices um, that if you lord some, if you don't get a hat but we still think you're good, and it also means that you've got sort of a chance of maybe getting a hat, yeah? That yeah. you're on the right track. You're on the right track. Critics' picks, um, mm-hmm. they have a little tick symbol next to them in the guide and they're places that our reviewers really love and recommend regardless of whether they do make that 15 out of 20 or not. They're, yep. they're doing something that we think you should know about. Gotcha. And uh, so 16, you're into ooh, rarefied territory, aren't you? You're into two-hat territory, which uh, for some can be the kiss of death. For some restaurants. Well, no, seriously, because uh, for some places, two hats can be a bit of a curse and be sort of like a Thai emperor giving you a white elephant. And the fact that I'm a god, I've got to get, you know, you have to maintain new crockery, new cutlery. You've got to make sure I've got the linen is right. And there is a greater expectation of, you know, um, when people come in, they they come in with much heightened expectations. That's true. That's true. The diner does yeah. start bestowing a certain uh, 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 expectation of what they're going yeah. to get. And then we get to the very, very rarefied air of the three hat restaurant. And maybe shall we start? What you, should we start there? Sure. Who, who yeah. managed to get the 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 mighty three gonger hat up? So thing. Bray was awarded three hats again. It's held good. for some years. Good on you, Dan, if you're listening, by the way. <laughs> Minamishima, also three hats. What's Minamishima? It's a, a Japanese, a very special Japanese restaurant. It is extraordinary. I've, I've managed it once and uh, I will never forget it. Never it's, forget it. Yeah, it is a, it's maybe a once-in-a-lifetime uh, uh-huh. pricey end of the spectrum, but very, very special. Uh, and then a new three-hatter this year was Amaru, which is a fine diner in Armadale. In Armadale, yeah. Is that yeah. High Street Armadale? I think it is High Street, isn't it? That's yeah, anyway, right. it's in Armadale, yes. And, and what made um, – um, I'll take my little post-it note off there. What made Amaru so, so special? What uh, brought it up to, to that level? I think Amaru's been been doing really well in impressing the reviewers for a few years now. Um, this year, uh, one of the reviewers who went had been a few times before and noted that it did feel it had been elevated. Um, there's a new head chef, Cameron Tay Yap. Um, he's working under executive chef Clinton McIver. Um, Cam also won... The yes. Smeg Young Chef of the Year Award. So um, it was a big night for him on Monday. Um, yeah, he looked pretty happy. Yeah. Mm. It, it, it was happy a lot boy. about the – I mean, the food's beautiful at Amaru. It's very seafood-focused. It's very um, – there's a lot of play between textures. Uh, there's uh, Is it the full foam experience? I don't know if we had a foam. Oh, good. No, I just because I think we, we had some tell me if I'm right. Um, you, okay, we're going to get to the, the, the trends, but I think we reached peak molecular 
cuisine a few years ago, have we not? Yeah. And we've seen one of the trends that has come through, um, which is, you know, we can use Newtonian physics and say to equal action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So from foams, we go to the kitchen, like I think David Moore was the first one I did, just has a fire pit in the kitchen. You know, yeah, and we're just sure. cooking stuff on on fire. Yeah, I think we, I think we've loosened up a lot as diners, and people just want to have a good time. You know, whether mm. that involves custards and foams and gels, or yeah, spherification, celeriac yes. on a stick. You know, which um, yeah. despite the way it sounds, can be very delicious. Um, yeah, the right sauce. But yeah, I, I think a lot of the a lot of the new one hats this year, and a lot of the inclusions in the guide in general this year are more in that space, reflecting mm-hmm. the way people want to eat now do you want to okay let's i was gonna we, we might get back to the trends but you you speak of something let's let's talk about the ones who are these new ones that have gained who are the ones that have come onto your horizons that you have said you are good you get a hat uh so there's three that are probably most noteworthy this year one is 1800 lasagna in thornbury yes um that's a very fun very focused dining experience that I think there's nothing else really like it in Melbourne, if not Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also Nihau Kitchen, which is a family-run restaurant that specialises in Cantonese and Sichuanese food. Mm-hmm. That's in Q. And then there's Babaji's Kerala Kitchen, which cooks southern Indian food in Belgrave. Yep. Uh, so they're all really quite focused on what they do and they're doing it really well and they're not afraid to kind of lean into that they're not they're not really trying to be everything to everyone they know what they're good at and they're going for it and that's really admirable so a little bit of relaxed and self-assured ways of um, of dealing with the food is that sort of what you what you're saying we could put julian with that too couldn't we yeah julie at, at abbotsford at, convent that's a bit of a good on you yeah i mean they're um they're doing i guess I guess it relates back to that trend we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. They're not overcomplicating the food. They're d- letting the produce speak for itself, really, and focusing does, on that high-quality sourcing. Does elements of sustainability come into the way that you think of your food? Because Julie is a great example of that because they have their garden, which they get a lot of their – not their proteins, but their vegetables from, yeah? Uh, I think it is more and more important for diners, and I think that – it's more and more important for chefs and restaurants as well and we really did recognise that this year with our Restaurant of the Year mm. and our Chef of the Year, um, both of whom really champion sustainability in cooking and their business practices. Restaurant of the Year was? Oh My in Beaconsfield. Yep. Um, run by two brothers that have grown everything <laughs> that they cook for haven't, quite a few years now. Yeah, haven't met them. Gee, they seem exuberant people, don't they? Yeah, they're so it's so much fun dining there. Oh, I want it's, to go there. Yeah, it's wild, it's silly, but it's a yeah. fine diner at the same time. It's going to be hard yeah. to get into now, uh, for sure. <laughs> and the other one you were talking about? Uh, so Chef of the Year was yes. Jo Barrett this year, who a lot of people probably remember from her time at Oak Ridge, and then she was also involved with uh, Yost Baker's uh, Sustainable House, the greenhouse down system. at Birongma, yeah. Yeah, Amazing. which was pretty impressive as a blueprint for living. And I think she's taken a lot of those practices and values and now sort of packaged them up in a completely fresh and unpretentious way down at a bowls club in Lawn. It's insane, isn't it? It's a new way of dining, isn't it? 
yeah, it's very yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is. So uh, I agree wholeheartedly with um, with that about uh, Joe Barrett, whose um, award is um, uh, for a chef whose time has come. Perfect, uh, perfect timing for that. General question. What is it that makes Melbourne the eating capital of this fair country? Is there anything that sort of you, you can sort of nail you uh, put, I, a, put a hammer to a nail? I think dining out is just it's part of our it's inherently part of our culture, and mm. um, a lot of my friends, a lot of Melburnians and Victorians that I know, we go out to restaurants to socialize, and that's a huge part of how we spend our time. Um, so we're constantly reinvesting in restaurants and bars and cafes which is, I think, helped. Um, we also have incredible produce here. We have a lot of talent here, um, a lot of creativity. Can I add something here? I put it down to um, two things. One was way, way, way back we had the BYO permit, which meant that it was cheap to get into a restaurant and actually do things. The other thing I think has helped the CBD is Robert Hoddle with the Hoddle Grid because it's so different to Sydney. Sydney grew haphazardly and chaotically <laughs> and there there are no little alleys and back streets and laneways where we've been able to have so many great restaurants that have become institutions in in this um in this this town I reckon. Yeah, yeah, those are two very good points. But, you know, there's fabulous dining on lots of high streets in Melbourne suburbs as well. Indeed. I think we have a huge density of great restaurants, which we're very blessed with. And they, you can find them all in the food guide and it's available just about everywhere. I've got to say, the um, it's been a few years now, but it's, um, do we call this A4 um, size? Is that right? Yeah. Magazine sort of size. It's good because that whole thing about having it in the glove box if your car is doesn't really apply anymore, does it? No, it uh, doesn't. Okay, serious question though. Um, what is it that makes a restaurant get that extra point? Uh, we were talking about that demarcation between the one hat and the two hat is hugely important and significant. What is it that pushes it over the line? I mean, it, it can really be any element. So it can be the food, the hospitality, the setting. Mm. It's... It's not something that we take lightly when when a venue moves from one hat to two or the other way around. Um, it, it does ultimately come down to adding up the points, talking to the reviewer about their experience and making sure that there's something there that brings wow factor or some kind of magnetism that that venue has that keeps drawing you back. And that could be that the owners are there day in, day out, and they remember people's names, or it could be something to do, you know, it could be the vision mm. um, of the chef or the restaurateur. It could be the space. It could be the view. But just something that, you know, makes your heart skip a beat when you walk through the door is kind of the idea. So it's a little bit of fairy dust or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just something uh, uh, the uh, the shows, there's certain something to use the, the French. Yeah, sometimes it's that and sometimes it's about them going the extra mile, mm -hmm. whether it's their, you know, in the case of Omai, obviously they're up to 17.5 now, but they grow everything in a market garden 10 minutes from the restaurant. Mm. You know, that is definitely beyond one hat territory. Mm. Uh, and I think there's a, there are some boxes that you can tick to get to the one hat mark. Like I think there are... There are certain restaurants that kind of know there are certain things that you can do to get those 15 points and not everybody can do it. Um, but, 
But once you move beyond 15, yeah, it really becomes about the people behind it, what they're putting into it, and you can you can sense that as a diner. And the consistency of that, that's, um, that's one of the hard... And so with restaurants, a little, a little bit of rain must fall and... Uh, with some cases, fall it has, and um, the ones that have lost hats, there's quite a few of them this year. And uh, gosh, uh, where do we start? The first one, I have to say, Mateo's was one that really, really surprised me. I mean, that's quite a fall from grace from two hats once upon a time to one hat and now no hat. Do you have any comment on that as to why that happened? Yeah, that was that was one that we had quite a lot of discussion about. Um, Mateo's was reviewed by a very, very senior, very experienced reviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person uh, had a very clear um, determination. Some, sometimes when you go and review a restaurant and the standards aren't up to scratch, there are things that you're not sure about. Mm. Um, but in this case, it, it was quite clear. Um, so the points, the points did drop. Um, but we, we definitely, um, we didn't take Mateos out of the guide. We moved them into a new section, Icons and Institutions, which celebrates some of those venues that have been around for de- decades. Endured beautifully. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and yeah, they're the places that we keep going back to, but, um, so there's always hope, I guess, is uh, if we can have something positive, it's happened. Um, I'm, I was very, very sad to see that happen. There's a few others maybe, oh, I won't, oh, Poodle was the one that I thought that was a bit sad, but that's because the chef left. Was that sort of the, the reason for that one? Uh, I think that that was part of it. Um, mm. We did send a reviewer, and they also um, it didn't it didn't add up to a hat as per the Mateo situation as well. But then we sent a more senior reviewer back because we were and a, a little thing. bit surprised. And actually, that's that's one thing you have to say about the Age Good Food Guide is that there will be multiple visits, and uh, they are anonymous. Um, I don't know if you guys get on the the glasses with the fake nose and stuff like that, but you're able to. The reviewers are able to sneak in under the uh, the radar, and it's independent. I've just got to because I'm in this situation. I've got the microphone on, and I've got to say, Gippsland. Can I just advocate for a couple of places for you to go and have a look at? Yeah, more, we'd love more to carefully. hear. Yeah, we love Soda tips. fish in Lakes Entrance, I think, deserves a hat. Because I think it's an amazing place, and I reckon someone else who's punching above their weight on the main drag um, is a Northern Ground um, in. Uh, where's my brain gone? Help me. Uh, not, is it Bansdale? Thank you, thank you so much. I have heard of Northern Ground. Brilliant food, like it's incredible. Best one of the salad lyonnaise I had on the side of the the highway. Wow. Go and have a look. Um, All right, now, thank you. And um, can and also for the uh, the trends for this year, can you go? What what have you eaten a lot of? The tiramisu is off the menu, according to you guys. <laughs> apparently, we saw tiramisu on like ninety percent of menus, and yes. even not that, at Italian restaurants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put yes. that in an article and copped a lot of flack, but we stand behind it. I mean, we don't. It's still valid at the tiramisu. Grand at Mildura, though. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it is. Uh, so much smoke and so much creme caramel. A lot of creme caramel. Mm. A lot of creme caramel. Uh, what else did we eat a lot of? 
big steaks. Big steaks are still a thing. Martinis, yeah. martinis, you, if you can afford them. If you can afford them. Yes. Yeah. And you usually have to share them now. Yes. Take some pals. Yes. It's, and, it's not a uh, solo pursuit. And the rise and rise and rise of the price of the oyster. Oh, yeah. That's we had, something. I think $11.50 was the most expensive oyster I For had. For one? One oyster, yep. Where? What did they do to it? Yeah, what did they do? <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> did they, they have sparks coming out of it? They, they panko crumbed it with a bit of chicken skin and the crumb and they served it with like a buttermilk uh, dressing and a kombu <laughs> situation. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, okay. uh, oh, the cynic of me yeah. wants to go, why? But um, yes, but I suppose that's valid. Yes. Um, I don't know if it was still valid. still high. But <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm trying to be nice. Uh, so the Edgewood Food Guide. Congratulations! Um, it's out. There's um, lots and lots of sections that um, you will find. I think it's great that uh, the guide now just summarises the stuff for interstate. If you're one of those people that gets to go around this, you know, this country a lot, uh, which is really really good. Um, anything in in finishing up on a really lovely positive note? Um, what were some of the the best things that you guys had? in all of your eatings, if that's a word. Is that a word? Honestly, I think one of mine was that celeriac on a skewer, which sounds celeriac on a so stick. boring. <laughs> yeah. But um, La Pinta in Reservoir was cooking it in bone marrow and it was, yeah, it was out of this world. Good Lord. That whole restaurant is just beautiful. It's wow. perfection. Wow. That sounds amazing. I had some beautiful parsnip tortellini at Lake House in the middle of winter oh. with brassicas and mm. some holy goat cheese through it. It was beautiful. It was, you know, parsnip is not a very glamorous or sexy vegetable. But, this, but it has beautiful sweetness and, yes. Yeah, and they really played that up. It yeah. was great. Oh, no, parsnip can be a, a most valid thing. How much does this guide cost? It's fourteen ninety five. That's astounding good value. In this day and age. No, I really think it is. Where can you get it? News agents, major supermarkets. A news agent, what's that? (laughs) And online in the store.com.au, which is the Ages online store. Yes. Well, um, congratulations for um, slipping into the the chair and doing it so well. I think it's a a great guide and a great snapshot of um, our reading. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the industry in general or um, what you've found? in in uh, conclusion i guess just a big thanks to all the restaurants and bars and cafes and pubs for putting on such a such a good spread over the last mm. year or so absolutely um, yeah it's it's we're very privileged to do this job and um our reviewers as well are incredible they're such a creative and talented team and uh we couldn't do it without them yeah, absolutely. Age Good Food Guide uh, 2024. It is the 43rd iteration. My God, that's incredible. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos, and interviews, head to the Triple R website, rrr.org.au. And someone who's just brought in the sunshine from the street. I look across my old buddy Joseph Abud from Rumi Restaurant. A very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you for coming in. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Cam. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. You're giving birth. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's 2023, Ken. What a labour it was, <laughs> a labour of love. You've given birth to this glorious book and uh, dare I say it's about time because what a journey you've had in this industry and it marks it so well and punctuates it with some of the most delicious food I have seen and not only that, so amazingly photographed. It's just a ripper of a book, man. Well, uh, thanks. It's very flattering. You're looking. I love the way. When you when you compliment him like that, the eyes immediately go up just to give you a little picture. And he looks suspiciously at me, going, "Something bad's going to happen." I'm sure. No, 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 no. This is the book. It's called Rumi by Joseph Abud, and uh, it has a very specific title: uh, Food of Middle Eastern Appearance. Yes, and uh, of course, like anything, there is no accident for that. No, of course not. No. But so since you complimented the photography, I should point out that that's uh, Amel Habib who did the photography. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, the graphics. Who did all the, all the graphics? So work? a guy called George Saad, wonderful uh, designer up in Sydney. Yeah. And we love it so much that um, he's doing some work for us at the restaurant now. Yes. Uh, wow. Lee Blaylock did the styling. Yeah. Jane Wilson was the... Publisher, mm. the woman who had the faith in me to make the book, really, and uh, an incredibly. This is Jane. This uh, is Jane Wilson. She works for Murdoch. Yep, and it's not just so you know, folks. It just has to be said because I was under this misnomer uh, for a long time. Got nothing to do with uh, Lachlan and uh, those other Murdochs. It's a different mm. Murdoch. Yeah, isn't you, it? You, yeah, you know, you know, my wife would never let me. I know. Book with those but yeah, we just we just got to nail our colours to the mast again on on that one. And the team there was absolutely amazing. Uh, I can't believe how many people work on a cookbook. So much work goes into it. Yeah, it's like yeah. trying to make a any sort of thing for TV. There's just yeah. hordes and hordes of people. But you've come a long way since you first had that uh, first taste of sea urchin at the Oz <laughs> Frog. Have you not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's. Uh, Gee, that's where was the Oz Frog? <laughs> Oz Frog was in uh, Lonsdale Street. It was a contemporary French restaurant. Wow, great location. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there was there was definitely a, you know that was my introduction into hospitality, and that job wound up by uh, rocking up at work one day, and there was chains, chains. on the door. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, something something went wrong with the frog. The frog yeah, lost yeah, its yeah. life. Yeah, the frog uh, across the road got boiled alive. You know? Yeah, or yeah, or well, maybe it was trying to jump across Lonsdale Street and got run over or yeah. something. It was playing. <laughs> but um, you've had such an amazing. Um, uh, career in this in this industry, um, just I think in the time we've got, I'd love to just quickly talk a little bit about because we've never been able to look that far back, and you've never been so brutally honest about um, your life and food. And you said yeah. one of the great so sea urchin was one epiphany that you had, yeah, and the other one was having a meal cooked by Jacques Raymond, yeah, that so, was big, uh, good, good, good pickups there, Cam. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> so what was, it, what, was, what was it about that meal that you went, hey, food can be quite amazing? So not only the meal, but then I went and did a day's stage in the kitchen and that was – What was know, Shark like as a, as a chef? Uh, well, he wasn't around too much, but he, yeah. you know, scared the hell out of me just 
by talking really yeah, I'd, right. never, I'd never met any chefs that were so serious and so committed and the, um, the eyebrows yeah, coming yeah. together yeah, while yeah. he talks to you yeah and if Herman you, Schneider used yeah. to be like that yeah, yeah and you know just going into the cool room and just seeing the care that all the food was laid out with and stored with and the way it smelt it was it was yeah, the, smell the smell of the cool room because yeah. that was such a a that screamed out to me that line from yeah. from the book because it smelt so fresh yes just so so amazingly fresh because some cool rooms and you you'll know about a business if you can you'll yeah. never be allowed in a lot of times it, yeah. it'll tell you so so much yeah. but then um, well there's bad smelling yeah then there's just smells like a fresh. restaurant yes. and then there's there's know, fresh yeah yeah and the same thing happened at Estes Test actually just that smell of the cool room was such an amazing. Um, uh, yeah, it's such an amazing memory. What a baptism of fire. What was that? A baptism oh, of fire, yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My God, Donovan. But cook. I'd been cooking for like four years by then anyway, but, but it was just, what, it, it was like starting have, all over again. Nothing yeah. could have prepared you for that. I have this beautiful line from that. There was the stress of just working for Donovan, just because that's what it is. But you talked about music that blared so loud <laughs> as to remove any possibility for conversation. It heightened anxiety and seemed to reverberate at a level you might associate with war. <laughs> it's very dramatic, isn't it? But it was a dramatic place. <laughs> yeah, it from, was. I, I never sat foot in that kitchen, but I've heard so many war stories about that kitchen. So uh, Donovan Cook, Philippa Sibley, Frank Heaney, front of house? Yeah, front yeah, of house. Frank yeah, Frank Heaney. He came from um, Two Faces. Amazing thing. But this was nine in the morning till what? One o'clock in the, yeah, in, the, ele- the next 11, morning? 12, yeah, 12. Yeah. Pretty- and I, I was so naive at that point. I thought, surely you can't work all day and have to clean down the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, the, the cleaners thinking, will be coming in. Yeah, they'll be here soon, surely. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, but you, you survived that, and that, that certainly gave you um, uh, the impetus to move on to your place, Rumi, which apparently could have been called Hookers and Tea. <laughs> Gee, you've really read the story. And, and then somewhat inspired by Rita McCarley, which I, I kind of thought yeah, that, was, absolutely. that was the second iteration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, would have to well you know, um, there's a lot of talk of uh, the, the chin-chin effect and, you know, um, it's actually to me, it's the Ludro effect. That was that was the big shift in Melbourne. It was dining. You know, that's when people from fine dining went and opened a casual pizza place, and it was and absolutely the, incredible. And the same uh, attention to detail of the food, um, like man, yeah, God, yeah, Rita, Rita can cook. Absolutely, she can yeah. cook. Wow. It, um, so uh, you've had uh, Rumi's been going for quite a while. Shared plates. Oh, problems with the coffee, but yeah, we weren't. It was just a couple of difficult people. Uh, Anthony Vordain visited in twenty oh nine. That would have been yep. amazing. It was. It was. Uh, the, I think the most memorable thing about that was uh, trying to speak to him before you know while he was on, you know while he had to film and, and work mm. compared to um, when he wrapped up and was just able to relax. And we set out the front of Rumi talking yeah. between him and I and Matt Preston. Um, and that that was a really remarkable experience because you could just see the difference between work and and okay, I'm off camera now. Just can I just relax and have a drink and have a smoke? What a, what a human, yeah. Winston's. Yeah, I've shared a Winston with him in the past. It was pretty memorable. Let's talk about the book. It is um, 
it's just full of delicious things, really. It, that was the idea. Yeah, and, you know, I think this is such a, a book whose time has come because we talk about the Maloof effect, Greg Maloof, yeah. who trained so many people in the art of um, the palate of Middle Eastern yeah. food, which, and we talk about the Maloof diaspora now, but I think we're at a point where these things, the some of these things um, in our mainstream and this is a great time to have this book and maybe you might want to talk about the sections and some of the things that are in there. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's written – I'm glad that I, it's taken 17 years to write because I think if I had have written it when I was, you know, earlier days of Rumi, it would have been all about me and my ego and what I was trying to do to impress people, whereas yeah. now it's written for, for people to actually cook from. Um, and, you know, the main focus was, okay, how do we get people cooking – um, and the cool. fir- and one of the first food chapters, which I love, is just says, start here. Yeah, so those recipes often I find at the back of the book, the, yes. the really simple things. Yeah. But when I was starting to put some recipes together, I was really against having a book full of filler recipes. Mm. And then I realised if you start here and you put these things in your fridge, in your pantry, if you start with those recipes – the rest of it is about build about building basically. You know, so you've so. got the foundations and the building blocks at the front, rather that, than building the foundations yes, at the end. That's it right. Makes kind of that, yeah, it makes makes sense. It makes perfect <laughs> sense. Perfect <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, because to me, that's like somebody asked me, "Is is your uh, you know roast beetroot and muhamra recipe in there?" I said, "Yeah, but yeah, it's but in pieces, right? So yes. you cho- pick and choose what you want." And so there's a with each recipe, there's a little bit of dialogue about where you can use it and how you can use it, and, and the things that you don't have to use to make that recipe work. Yeah, including uh, a recipe for uh, tum, yeah. uh, personifying the saying, uh, "When you have a hammer, everything is a nail." Yeah, uh, and also an ability to make canola oil edible. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Like seriously, you wouldn't yeah. normally make anything like you wouldn't yeah. make a salad dressing with canola, but with tum, um, this incredible sauce which is like a garlic mayonnaise without eggs. Without That's eggs. a good way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, once you get this thing done, and if you love garlic, which most of us do, um, you just want to have it on everything, don't you? My, minus egg plus magic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Um, plus the plus the, the magic. Um, there's also some – oh, one thing I just wanted to ask, how do you hang yogurt? I mean, I know this seems really, really simple. Um, well, but to make labneh, which a lot of people go out and buy, yep. one of the things – and this is a, a great thing of self-sufficiency. You've got a handbook for self-sufficiency in this book as well as delicious recipes. You say – Thou shalt not buy labneh Lab. because you don't have to. No. And how no. do you do it? And well, you basically just take yogurt and put it through a cheesecloth, just hang it overnight or a couple not, of days. Not through, not through. You hang, no, not through, yeah, yeah. Not through hang <laughs> it. That would kind of ruin it. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah. You, you, you suspend it because we talk about, if we think to back to little Miss Mufford, that um, imaginary person eating her curds and whey, these are the two things. And you're yep. separating one from the other. We want the curds, we leave out the whey, yep. and you keep the whey. Yeah, you can, you can drink that. It's yeah, very it's, it's very refreshing. Very refreshing. Yeah, yeah, very refreshing. What, um, how do you suspend it? How's, what's a successful well, easy way to do Well, I think the most uh, traditional common way that you grow up with as a Lebanese person is your mum tying a bag to the sink, to the... To the you top know, of the to, tap. Well, yeah, to the tap and it mm. just sort of leaks into the sink. And I remember one of my earliest food memories and I don't have a very romantic um, 
uh, idea of of growing up. Because you food. said one of the things you didn't do was look over the shoulder of your mum. Oh no, she's oh, still no. she's still not really interested in me cooking. No, <laughs> no, no, get out of my kitchen. I get, what are I you get doing to cut here? the uh, watermelon because I'm big, strong man. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. So you know, she used to have a. Um, you know, a bank bag, you know, mm-hmm. the old bank coin bag. Yes. She used to have a bank bag and, and use that to, to strain the yogurt. Because uh, the good thing about that is that it's um, a fairly fine weave um, yep. to it. And But you're also saying you can use a pillowcase. That's what we use at Rumi when we yeah. first opened. So you'd go into the core and yeah. there'd be a big pillowcase hanging up yeah. for yogurt. So, uh, and, and there's also, as well as that, there's also recipes for yogurt. Which yeah. I think is great too. You can make your. It's so simple magic. and satisfying. It really is magic. It's, mm. um, it's something that I never ever get sick of popping the lid off. You know, something that was milk in the morning and it just set? smells cheesy and and set and yeah, beautiful. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, one thing. There is so much in here. Are there? Like it's, I know this is sort of a hard and like trying to get your favorite. Oh, look, I'm just looking here. Pickled grapes, for instance, on. On um, on oysters, that sounds great. I've never had pickled grapes. I don't think. Yeah, Persian Persian uh, recipe. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and and it's so verjuice is made from tiny young grapes, mm. uh, and a Persian recipe is to pickle the grapes them as well. that never made it. The grapes to the big time. <laughs> yes, cut cut their life a bit short. Have you got a favourite child from this book? Is there anything that you see as being one of the most the most delicious things in here? No, I don't. I don't but no. we just spoke about yogurt, and I honestly think that's if if I was somewhat responsible for people making their own yogurt, mm. that'd be I'd be pretty chuffed. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, make your own yogurt, folks. Get out for there for me, please. For, for, do it. <laughs> do it for Joseph, if anyone. So um, chapters here start here. Things that I want you to know. Uh, the gather round chapter, which is mains and dishes to share. Brilliant things. Incredible slow cooked lamb, which, as you say, is one of the easiest things in the world. It's just yes, time. Just time. A friend of mine do. sent me a photo last night. He mm. made it made it out of the book and was very happy with the result. Hooray! Yep. Hooray! So they they work. Uh, don't call me salad more than leaves. Um, and there's a really, really great dessert section. Um, this dish, uh, this book, sorry, is just bursting with flavour, do-it-yourself things and things that are just going to make your life more delicious and better. Great way to put it, Cam. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Um, I just applaud you on this book. How, it's, how much is it? 40 bucks. Yeah, it's only 40 bucks, which is good. What do you reckon, and Chapo? That- Would you want to get one of these? Yes. Yeah. That was really that's important. The right, that's to, the right thing to say. <laughs> that was really important to me, actually. It's, yes. it's soft cover. Yes. It's, it's relatively small it's and it's coffee. relatively cheap. It's not coffee table. Yeah. No, it's not. It's there to be used. And, you know, it's got matte, matte pages, matte paper, so you can mm. write on it, make your little extra notes and that sort of stuff. That that was the idea. Oh, Matt, so um, a biro will work with it yes. rather than just the, all the oil. That's the, right. The ink will just wipe off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> I've, I've had that experience. That's... Yep. Um, there's great stories in here. There's delicious food. And, um, you know, I'd really like to get you back one of these days because you had one of the most amazing sabbaticals. Um, I think I've heard your extensive travels through the Middle East. Oh, uh, yeah. When uh, not many people were going through there. And actually you said you were worried about getting back. But yeah. I'm going to have to – We'll, have we'll to leave, leave that for the, another time. We're going to have to leave that for another time. Joseph Abu, the book is called Rumi. It's published by Murdoch. Uh, food of Middle Eastern appearance uh, gets a double ticket, an elephant stamp from me. 
It really, really does. Thank you so much. Thanks, uh, Ken. We're going to have to leave Carl Chapman. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cam. Good as always. Yeah, Alex. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 